So what I essentially did is I figured out how to master one area of communication, the easiest one being presentations for most of us. The second one was conversations. And the third one is what I call exploration slash inspiration. So Welcome to Diversity Dish, where we're dishing on everything diversity, equity, inclusion, and justice related. My name is Sidrola Maruska, and we're bridging the gap between what needs to be said and what needs to be heard. Those individual experiences that are often ignored or simply dismissed. Sometimes I'm dining alone. Sometimes I'm dining with friends. And sometimes I'm dining a la carte. No matter how I'm dining, it promises to be delicious. Let's dig in. Brendan Kumarasamy is the founder of MasterTalk. He coaches ambitious executives and entrepreneurs to become top 1% communicators in their industry. He also has a popular YouTube channel called MasterTalk with the goal of providing free access to communication tools for everyone in the world. Welcome back to Diversity Dish. I'm so glad you decided to join us again. Today, I'm joined by Brendan Kumarasamy. Hi, Brendan. How are you? Very good, Cedril. How about yourself? I'm doing well. It's a pleasure to meet you and to have you on Diversity Dish today. Pleasure is mine. What I would like to do, as I always do, is kind of start off by getting to know a little bit more about you. And so the first question is always, what are you most passionate about right now? You know, it's interesting that you asked that, Cedril, and I'd love to get your answer to that, too. For me, the same thing. It's always the same theme, which is impact helping other people, contribution, connection, meeting other super interesting people and seeing what we could build together and create for for a better future. I guess in my case, it just happens to be in the area of communication, but just impact in general is something I'm super passionate about. I love that. I think, I, you know, I'm, I'm, I, I love the idea of impact, of making a difference in this world. It's why I started, it's why I do what I do and it's why I started the podcast. The podcast was basically for communication to start having conversations with people about things that are not always so easy to have conversations about. And so I can, I can really get on board with you on that one. So you did mention that you are a communications person. Can you tell us a little bit about what it is that you do and how you got started? Yeah, absolutely. Cedrilla. So in a nutshell, what I do is I coach executives and entrepreneurs to be exceptional communicators and I have a coaching business around that. But that's not how it started. When I was at <laughs> university, I used to do these things called case competitions. Think of it like professional sports, but for nerds. <laughs> okay. Right. right. So while other guys my age do like football or basketball or baseball or something else that's a little bit too dangerous for this guy. Look at me. I'm not a <laughs> not a really buff guy. <laughs> I did presentations competitively. That was my passion. That was my love. And I accidentally got really good at communication coaching because we didn't have a coach. So I just started coaching a bunch of these students for free mostly so they could get better for these competitions. And that's when I had the idea to start the YouTube channel a few years ago, Master Talk, Mm -hmm. because I realized a lot of the information I I was kind of inventing on the spot at university for the students wasn't available for free anywhere online. 
And that's what ended up leading to the business. Wow. I love that. Yeah. So you stumbled upon it just because really that's how things work, right? You kind of stumble upon something because, oh, it needs to happen. Nobody's doing it. Okay. Let me do it. Or, you know, let me find someone to do it. And so that's kind of, um, that's how a lot of things work. And I, and I think that that's great. So how many years have you been doing this now? So I've been coaching for six years, Mm -hmm. but I started the YouTube channel early 2019. So we're going on three years this year. So yeah, it's super exciting, but uh, yeah, it's been fun. Nice. And when you started your coaching business, you didn't have the YouTube channel. So what is it that, that kind of said, Hey, let me, let me also do a YouTube channel. Yeah. So think of it like this. It's kind of a bit the opposite where I had the YouTube channel for the coaching, but I started coaching in general before I started the YouTube channel. So let me, let me explain what I mean. So I started coaching at the age of 19, 19, 20, but I wasn't doing it for money. It was just like, Similar to how, you know, basketball coaches kind of come back and they kind of coach like high school teams. They don't really charge money. It's kind of like a give back to the community. So same thing with me. I just wanted my students to do really well in the competitions. So I was just coaching them, but it wasn't a business. It wasn't like uh, making money. The, the reason that we were doing that really was to help the students, but also to get those amazing corporate jobs at a university. Right. So that, that's essentially what happened. And then after I coached probably like a hundred students, all of them just asked me a question that I didn't really have a good answer to. And the question was, how did you learn how to speak? And I just went, uh, I don't really know. I just uh, presented <laughs> a bunch of times. Like I presented like four or 500 times in university. Right. So I was just like presenting all the time. But they were like, did you like join Toastmaster? Did you have like a coach? Did you watch YouTube videos? I was like, why would you do that? And, and then I started <laughs> watching the YouTube videos and that's what led to the YouTube channel. And then right. a bunch of executives started reaching out probably like a year and a half into it. And then right. I built a business around that. Wow. It's, I think it's the classic thing of when something comes naturally to you, when you find it to be an easy thing to do, you don't think of it as something that you've learned anywhere or anything that that is special. You just say, I think everybody can do this. You know, let's just have everybody do it. And people are like, um, how do you do that? And you're like, well, I just, I just, I don't know. It's, it's something that I also talk a lot about with women because women as women, we have these intrinsic natural abilities that we don't believe to be valuable because they're not made to be valuable, let's say in corporate America. But you know, if you're if you're a homemaker and you're organizing and you're keeping your your family together, that is something that is completely transferable to the business world and that you can do really well without having been in the corporate world to do it. And so it's kind of like it sounds to me like kind of that sort of thing where it's like, how do you do that? Well, I don't know. I'm just always I've just always done it. <laughs> Absolutely. Completely agreed. Yeah. So we're going to pivot just a little bit. Uh, we will come back to talk about Master Talk because I think it's important to get some pointers from you in terms of how people can have conversations that are difficult. But before we, we do that, I kind of want to pivot and talk about 
why certain conversations are difficult or, or how, how you've experienced certain conversations because people cannot see you, but you are an, uh, an Indian man, correct? Or, you know, uh, Asian Indian man. And so you are a quote unquote brown person, right? Just essentially yeah. <laughs> for all intents and purposes. It's true. It's correct. <laughs> right. You're brown. I mean, and so I'm sure that that you've experienced certain things along your way that have been a little bit, you know, maybe jarring. Um, I think that people think that there's that it's always it's always horrifying, but it's not always horrifying. Sometimes it's simply like, oh, that was that was shitty. Okay. And then we keep keep it moving, right? So tell us a little bit about your journey. <laughs> okay, <sure. laughs> you go. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I, I, I think there's there's a lot of interesting lens that we can take here. I would say the first one is just from a principles basis, Cedrola, which is why why are conversations difficult sometimes? And that's why I applaud people like Joe Rogan, because Joe Rogan is an interesting character where he says, hey, let's take two people who completely disagree each other and have the conversation. Whereas I think the challenge now in today's society is most people don't want to have the conversation anymore. Exactly. You know, it went from I was actually in a in a group call coaching call this morning uh, of, a, of a, co- a guy named Bob Burr, incredible guy, He's the author of The Gover Giver. And what he was talking about is this idea that we went from right or wrong to right or evil, where it went from, okay, me and Cedrola are having a disagreement. I'm right, you're wrong. That's actually a good thing, or you're right, I'm wrong. Mm-hmm. But now it's get, we're getting to very dangerous territory mm-hmm. where it's like, whatever I believe is right and whatever you believe is evil. Mm-hmm. And that's where I think the core challenge is. And I think mm-hmm. the main reason that, and I'd love your opinion on this too, but where I see that the biggest challenge there besides having the conversation is the other piece around, wait a second, when we have these conversations, what are we actually doing? And the mistake I think most people make when they listen, you could be for or against anything, is usually when we listen, it generally sounds like this, statement, 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 versus statement, question, question, question. So let's say in this example, notice how you're asking me questions, but since it's a very touchy topic, I also want your opinion on this. I don't want to just monologue for 90 minutes, but the other versus me going, so drool, this is the only way to do something. This is the only way to do that. And you're just going, Hey, wait wait a second. Like I'm sure there's many different perspectives. So I would say the whole asking more questions versus statements also helps. Yeah, I agree with you. I, I agree that one, the first thing you said is that people just don't want to have the conversations. And I think, I, I, I think that the reason for that is you might find out something that you don't want to know because it might mean that you need to change your perspective. And because of that, people just don't want to have the conversation. They want to hold on or as if, you know, hold on for dear life to what it is that they, that they believe. I love you know? the way you phrase that. <laughs> just, yeah. And, and when you say that it's, you know, right versus evil, I think that's completely true. I think that it's, I'm right. So therefore no one else can be right. There can be no other perspective except for mine. 
And we know, especially as people of color, that our perspective is going to be very different. Uh, even between you and me, our perspectives are going to be very different. There may be some similarities, but we're all going to have different perspectives because we all grow up in different ways, have different things that influence us and have different ideas that we formulate because of the experiences that we've had. So there will always be different perspectives and there is always gray, right? There's always a gray, gray area where, you know, the, the so right and so wrong comes in and it's like, well, it's not that black and white. So absolutely, I absolutely think that, that you're right when you say that. And so in having those conversations. So that's one of the reasons why I do this, right? I, I do this because I want to be able to have those conversations and give people opportunity to talk and then to talk. And like you said, to have a back and forth, not just this, 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 and this, and this. So what has been for you, like the, the biggest hurdle that you may need to get over when it comes to helping people with communication. Hi, I bet you're wondering how you can work with me. Well, wonder no more. Just go to diversitydish.com and get all the information right there at your fingertips. Whether you need an equity and inclusion consultant, speaker, or a coach to help you discover your social justice sweet spot, I'm here to serve. Diversitydish.com. I look forward to meeting you. Absolutely. I would say in the context of conversation specifically and how to make them easier, but feel free, we can go broader too on this. Mm -hmm. I would say the biggest thing anyone can do listening to this podcast is understand the following. If you're listening to what we're saying, that means you need to take responsibility for the conversations that you're leading. I'll give you an example with me because thankfully all my relationships are sound, but it didn't start that way. Right. And it doesn't, even have, it doesn't even have to do with different ethnicities or conversations outside. I'll give you a simple one in my personal life, which is the conversations I always have with my mom, mm-hmm. right? When I was growing up, I'm a first generation, second generation immigrant, I think is the correct term, where my parents immigrated and then I was born in Canada and they yeah, immigrated from I never, from, I I never, never know. know. I'm always like first generation, second generation? I don't know. <laughs> like, yeah, I don't really know. So I guess let's just say second or whatever. But it, so anyway, so my parents immigrated from Sri Lanka to Canada in the early 1990s, and I was born in the mid 90s. So I was I'm completely Canadian, right? I've never mm-hmm. really experienced Sri Lanka. I probably went there for maybe a couple of weeks out of my life. Right. And the but the, what the interesting part of this central is because my mom and dad have a certain set of beliefs, or not just them, but the community from that first generation is inculcated. So there's a clash. Mm-hmm. right of cultural values and and the biggest one being which i'm sure you've experienced as well as this idea of individualism which is what western society prides making yourself mm-hmm. successful versus collectivism which is making the group more successful mm-hmm. than the individual yeah. and w- what's interesting about this is the spectrum where it's like on one side of the equation it's like you need to be successful at all costs, regardless of the people around you. It's kind of like a rat race and you're always running. <laughs> and the and the Sri Lankan version of this, or really any Asian society or a culture, or not even Asian, just uh, immigrants in general, yeah. it's mostly around, hey, your success doesn't matter. You need to make everyone else successful. <laughs> 
So and the reason I bring that up is because me and my mom just got into a lot of fights around what matters, who I should be marrying, who I should be with, what I should do as a career. And I think what's helped uh, the relationship with me and my mom evolve over time, and this is the key, is me taking ownership of those conversations, not expecting my mom to change, not expecting the people around me to change, mm -hmm. but rather saying, how can I ask more questions to under understand her perspective and make the right actions and decisions over time so that trust gets built? I mean, mm -hmm. I did the thing that you should never do in our culture, which is quit my six-figure corporate job, <laughs> start a business. But because I built that equity over 10, 15 years of asking the right questions, staying calm, she trusted me with that decision. I love right. it. Right. Whereas most of us, and I'm sure you talk about this all the time, we're expecting the other person to go, well, wait, they don't understand me. They right. don't understand what I'm going through. I live in Canada, mom, and this is how Canada works. No, no, no. <laughs> That's right. work. Vers versus, and people like copy the text, literally copy paste what I'm saying. We're saying something like, hey, mom, I completely understand your situation. You know, you right. lived in a society where X, Y, and like, wow, this person understands me. Absolutely. 100%. You know, I'm just like you. My parents came from Haiti and, you know, the thing is that my parents came from Haiti and they were, they were young. They, my, my mom was 20 going on 21. My dad was 24, 25, you know, something like that. And mostly I can say they've grown up here. So although they have some of the same ideas and, 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 and cultures and, and things from, from Haiti, they've also done a good job of kind of integrating themselves within this culture to kind of understand. And I think it was mostly done to understand their children, right? But we also kind of owe them that in that we need to understand some of the things that they see, say, or the ways that they see things from their lens and their perspective. And so I agree with you when you say, okay, so I understand this mom, but this is what this is. And so we're just kind of, let's, let's do this little dance together. Let's kind of look, maybe you can kind of see what I see. And so if you can kind of see what I see, and I can kind of see what you see, we can meet somewhere in the middle that's going to make it okay for both of us to kind of have what, what we have and, and still maintain this relationship. Absolutely. Conversations are meant to grow relationships and grow the ways that we interact with each other. I'm having a conversation with you right now. I've never met you, but already we have so many things in common. I would, I would love to sit down and talk to you some more. And there may be things that I may not agree with you about, and there may be things that we may not see the same because of, again, we're from, you know, everybody's got their different perspectives, but at least we can start with those things that are common to us. And I think sometimes we forget that. I know that I do, you know, I'm not saying people out there and I'm, I'm all perfect and knowing I do, <laughs> you know, I forget sometimes and I have to rein myself back and say, why are you thinking that way about that person about one thing? There's a whole human there with layers that you 
could get to know. And that one thing may not even be that important in the whole scheme of it all. So you are absolutely right. You say building equity. Speak to us a little bit more about conversations that friends, people who are just meeting each other in meetings or at work or what have you can have to build that equity. We've talked about our parents, but we love our parents. <laughs> we, we know them, we love them. But when we're meeting someone for the first time, how do we build equity into that? Mm. Powerful. So, so a couple of things I'll add there. So one thing I'll say is I don't think it's necessarily because we love our parents, even if I do. <laughs> I think it's more, and you do, I'm sure. Yeah. I think it's more is because we're stuck with them. Right. Well, you can't, that too. <laughs> right. You can't change your family. Right. So, so the first level that I would have, thank God for us, right? We got we got lucky. We got some great parents. Right. I, I think what I would say is for me, I would like easy wins. Like I'm never going to tell someone who isn't used to conversation, go talk to someone you've never met, like kind of what Dale Davis said. He took that to the extreme where he was like, yeah, you know what? I'm going to just go talk to this white guy who's like the head of the Klux Klux Klan and <laughs> do that. And he's got, right. I'm sure, right. And he's right. like a whole other extreme. Right. But I, I think for me, level one is just saying is, or understanding the following. You don't need to start conversations with people who don't want to have the conversation. 100%. I say that all the time. <laughs> like, it's a lot easier to be friends with you than to be friends with somebody who goes, well, I don't believe what you believe about. And I was like, whoa, dude, I just want a soda. <laughs> Can I just get a large fries, please? Like, it's just, just hey. be happy. Right. And, and yeah. that's, and the reason I said the, the, the piece around you, you're stuck with your family is because you're not stuck with your friends. You could choose your friends. Right. So for me, step one is have conversations with people you already agree with or people you don't agree with, but that you have your close friends with to practice the art of speaking to somebody in on a right. on a touchy topic. And right. then with that skill set built in, then slowly move away from the circle and start practicing your communication skills with somebody you fundamentally disagree with. Right, right. Right. I like that. <laughs> it's right. kind of like, well, well, it's, you know, it's the circle of influence and then going outward into that circle of where you're not sure where that you don't have that influence, but you want to expand that circle of influence and be able to talk to other people and, and, and gain perspectives. I mean, like I said, we're all, we all so multi-layered and connecting. One of the things that I say is we really have to connect with each other's humanity. We have to be in a place where we believe and truly understand that we are human and we have feelings and souls and, and ideas and complexities, all of us. And so when we begin to connect with people in that regard, in realizing that I'm human, you're human, can we just find that thread that connects us, that one, it could be one little thread that connects us, but can we find that and then start there with having communication, with having conversation? But I also say, just like you just said, pe some people are just not ready. Some people are just not ready for the conversation and you cannot 
force a conversation on someone who's not ready because all it's going to do is frustrate you. You're going to feel completely drained and frustrated and they're going to leave going, see, I knew I was right. And they're going to keep, they're going to just, you know, leave the conversation in that way. Right. Absolutely agreed with you. And then the harder version of that, right, is, you know, if you get level one strain, you're like, you know, Brendan and Sandra, I've been listening to this podcast for 10 months, five months. I know what I'm doing for level one. How do I step this up? I would say that at the other end of the extreme is something I do, and I'm sure you do to a certain extent as well, if not all the way, is whenever you speak to somebody new, always assume they're always more successful than you and always right. And that's very <laughs> difficult. Like I'll get an example. I was, I was at a conference the other day. It was a couple of weeks ago. Talked to a really nice guy, like super amazing, very successful e-commerce business. Turns out the guy's anti-vax. And I won't comment on whether I agree or not with the position. But right. what I will say is, whoa, okay, like that's different. But instead of me completely judging that individual, I, instead I would say, wait a second. This person was really amazing up until that point. Does that make him a terrible human being now? Mm-hmm. Right. No, no, it doesn't. So right. assume, not always, right, but at least what that mindset allows you to do is say, let me let me understand it from his perspective mm-hmm. first. And obviously, uh, my conclusion there, and this is something people need to hear, is I ended up not talking about the position at all with him. I, was like, I just want the friendship. It's fine. Right. right? So <laughs> there's like, also that oh. piece. Okay. And then you kind of just move on to the next thing because it's because you also know when you're going to get into a can of worms that is just never that is a never ending, you know, barrel of worms. and You don't want that. Right. So, yeah, absolutely. And I and yeah, I think uh, I think a lot of times I do. And I think what you're saying is basically give someone the benefit of the doubt. Right. Give someone you just meeting them. Give them the benefit of the doubt. And, and I think that's something that I've done, you know, for many years, you know, it's like you're about to meet someone and someone you already know knows them and they go, well, you know what, they, they're this, this, and they've done this and, and this is how they are. And I go, oh, okay. And I just kind of go in and I go, I need to experience for myself. I don't know how naive that is. <laughs> you know, I don't know. I don't know. But for me, I usually go, I need to kind of experience for myself. What are, what are your thoughts? I don't, I don't even think that's naive at all. I mean, let me give you a, a perfect example of what you just said, which is the way we just judge celebrities. You know, I was listening to an episode with Priyanka Chopra the other day. It was like one of the best, you know, Bollywood actresses. She does really well in America as well. I know who she is. Right. She's and, one and of she, my female crushes, actually. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> and and she was just talking about how, like, why does why do some people hate me so much? They never even met me. Like I don't even understand. And and that's the key. Or another good example, Justin Bieber. So many people hate Justin Bieber. I'm just like, wait a second, guys. Like, have you ever had dinner with Justin Bieber? Do you even know his family or who he is? Right. So so I completely agree with what you said. And I don't think that's naive at all, actually. Yeah, I think we need to expand our understanding of what we think we know about people simply by looking at them or in the case of those people that you just mentioned, Priyanka Chopra and Justin Bieber, what is written about them versus having actually had an interchange or an inter interaction with them. We, we, we've got to examine that and see how, how we can do better 
I mean, because I think we can do, I think we can do so much better, which is why, again, I do this because I think we can do so much better. We can do better with listening and hearing and understanding, you know, people's stories. So tell us a little bit about your work. What, what, what do you do to help people really get into presenting or communicating? That's, that's the word I was looking for, communicating <laughs> effectively. And is it in one direction that you coach them for communication or is it multi-direction? So do you have people where it's like, I really need to be able to talk to my family or I really need to do this presentation because my promotion is riding on it? Tell us Absolutely. Of course, Sandra. You know, you know what I would say is more as a principle, similar to, to what your show does. I have a very similar mission to yours, which is, wait a second, the most important skill in the world to master, besides probably walking on your two feet, is <laughs> communication. Yeah. Right. The way you communicate to others. I mean, your whole life is the relationships you have with other human beings. Yet no one is democratizing that information, making it as accessible as possible. Right. So sure, you know, I have a successful coaching business at Coach Execs, and we can talk about that for sure. But I think for me, from a mission perspective, it's like, wait a second, what if the whole world was an exceptional communicator? What if everybody was incredible at this skill, like absolutely world class? The world would just be way, way, way better. Mm. Okay. So for me, the, the way I think about it is more in the second part of what you said, which is how do I make this as multidimensional as possible? Mm -hmm. Because communication, to your point, is so much more than just presenting on a stage mm -hmm. and speaking up in a meeting. It's the way you talk to your loved ones. It's the way you talk to the stranger at a park. It's the way you order food at a restaurant. Mm -hmm. It's every little moment of every day. And if you're able to refine those moments, not only will you have an amazing life, but when you speak to other people, they'll walk away feeling, who is that gal? Who is that guy? <laughs> right. I need right. to get to know this person. And so yeah. I think for me, that's the big piece. But in terms of the clients I coach, it's mostly executives and entrepreneurs who want to level up their presentation skills, the way they deliver feedback to their teams. Mm -hmm. and asking better questions so that they can get the best information to make the best decisions. Right. So since this came so naturally to you, how did you then hone it all and, and, and package it all and, and so that you can deliver it in that way? Yeah, I think for me, it was just relentless curiosity mm -hmm. where I, I mastered one area, like the way I think about it, and this is the fun part about communication despite how vague it is, it's also a multiplier effect. So I'll give you an easy example to demonstrate that. Let's say you get really, really good at presentations, one vertical of communication. So that means you're mastering, you're not saying any ums and ahs in your presentations. You're able to vocal, right? Very high or low. You're able to vary those vocal tones. Your pace is not too fast, but just enough so people can hear you. You do that right in a presentation. Well, guess what? You can use those exact same skills into conversations. So notice how as we're speaking, I'm not speaking, speaking, speaking really, really quickly. And I'm not going, oh, well, Central, I think, right? We're also applying that same concept into other areas of communication, other mediums of the way that we express ourselves. So what I essentially did is I figured out how to master one area of communication, the easiest one being presentations for most of us. The second one was conversations. 
And the third one is what I call exploration slash inspiration. So exploration is where you go, all right, let me go try and uh, moderate a conversation. All right, let me start a podcast. Let me start presenting on camera. We start to explore new communication styles and we, we, we get excited about them, ideally at that point in your journey. I love it. I love it. Yes, I work on my communication as well. I try to say not many ums and ahs. And sometimes it just kind of gets away from me. And I'm just like, ah! <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you're doing great. So I don't think I heard one since we started. Well, I, I guess we'll have to just see when I go back to edit and see how it works <laughs> out. <laughs> but I think it's okay. I think that if we allow ourselves that space, we also have to allow ourselves that space, even within com- conversations, as we were saying early on in our conversation, to give space for questions, to give space for answers that are coming back, and to also give space to feeling that discomfort when we feel like we were wrong or someone is telling us that we were wrong and understand that they're never saying, I don't think people say outright that you're a terrible person because you were wrong. I think we tend to internalize it that way. We tend to think that people are saying that we're bad people. If I say that something you did hurt me or bothered me and you jump to defense, it's almost as if I said, you're a terrible person for doing that. When in reality, all I said was how it impacted me. And for you to be able to hear that, you have to be able to give that space and that grace to yourself and to the people that you're, that you're com- having that conversation with about, oh, okay, didn't realize that, help me understand better. And we now have a conversation that's happening. Now have a conversation. Powerful. Yeah. Well, I think what you do is powerful. I think. I think what we do is powerful. What we do is powerful. Maybe we're really creating a real power source right here. (laughs) (laughs) I listened to a few of your master talks and I'll definitely be listening to more because I think the way that you deliver the information is easy to understand, very straightforward, and not rocket science, not hard. It's just thinking about how you're relaying the message and how it may fall on someone's ears and being able to kind of be ready for that. So yay. That's why I wanted to have you on on Diversity Dish because I really, really love that. So I talk a lot about equity and inclusion, especially when it comes to the workplace. And one of the things that I realize is that organizations really have a hard time understanding why people just aren't just happy. <laughs> why aren't they happy? Why aren't they just, why, why do they feel left out? Why do they feel this or that? How do How would you approach that conversation? How would you approach an organization that says, well, we're just not sure. And I say, 
let's do a survey. Let's talk to people. We need to talk to people. We need to find out what it is. It's a problem. Well, we think we're doing well. We're doing this. We're doing that. We're doing the other thing. How would you approach that? So for me, I actually have a very different angle that you probably wouldn't expect, which is my number one tip whenever I advise people on organizations, I talk specifically to the employees and I always say vote with your feet. Right. And what that means, your feet. Yeah. And what that means is I'll give you a classic example. Black woman approaches me, all star candidate. She has three offers and she goes, Brenda, which company do I pick? And I always respond, let's say equal pay, you know, equal opportunity. And I always say to her, I want, I don't want you to look at their diversity inclusion homepage and what they're doing. That doesn't matter. What I want you to do on your fingers, I want you to count the number of black women who are in the positions that you want to be in. And then she does the exercise and she realizes company three. Oh, Brendan, actually, when I looked at their C-suite and their high level executives, I see one black woman and in company number two, I see seven and company number one, let's say I totally did it the wrong way, but (laughs) company one, let's say the numbers two. And I was like, well, it looks like, you know, what your decision is right. So don't look at what a company is doing or marketing because they're all marketing the same, you know, you know what I, I think for me, it's really about seeing actually counting on your fingers, how many people are in those positions. I'll give you a good example with me personally, before I started master talking the business, I spent two and a half years at IBM. So for me, it, it, you know, I received multiple offers like any other good candidate. And what you do is you simply count how many Indian slash Lankan people are senior level executives. And at IBM, it's like almost all of them are brown. So it made bo- bo- like the most sense to me to just go, yeah, if I want to work here for 10 years, this is where I'll be versus let's say offer B, company B, which I probably shouldn't name. I would look, they'd be like, yeah, I was super excited to have you. I was like, I look at all their C-suite. Well, they're all white. So I was like, no, thanks. Vote with your feet. Sometimes you can't change the world un- until you change your outcomes, right? Your personal outcomes. Put your damn oxygen mask on first. Make yourself really successful and then talk, right? You can do it before, but I also want to protect people's career. I'll give you a good example. A guy named Walter Gier, a good friend of mine. He, he speaks a lot on how in the agency space, marketing and agencies, we need more black representation there. But Walt didn't start speaking on that until he became a senior executive. And I'm not saying that you need to wait there either. I'm just saying, go to the people like IBM, go to the people like Deloitte, go to the companies that are already promoting this and actually implementing it, be really successful there, and then use that platform to get to more lives. Yeah, yeah. It's so interesting. I talk to companies about creating the culture internally that you can project externally before you begin to talk about diversity. Diversity should never be the first conversation as we're talking about conversations. Diversity can't be the first conversation. Culture has to be the first conversation. What are people looking at? What are you doing internally? Are you holding on to diversity when it comes through your doors? Or are they coming in and they're going, "Uh -uh," and they're leaving for a company that is more diverse and that welcomes them better? If that is the case, you need to look at what you're doing internally to keep the people who are there to 
elevate the people who are there so that now when people are looking from the outside, they're going, oh, that looks like a place that I could fit, a place that I could actually love going to day in and day out and not have to be something different. So I totally see what you're saying. Don't expect it to just come because you put up a beautiful page that says, hey, and I say that, don't don't expect people to come because you put a blurb in your job posting that says, we are an equal opportunity employer. We're Because it's like, oh, you had to put that by law. But are you really? Does everybody know exactly what it is that you stand for within the ranks? And if not, then that's what you need to, you need to look at for sure. Absolutely. So, yeah. So tell us, what is it? So what, what, with what you do, tell us if there's anything that you have coming up. Do you work with individuals? You said that you work with mostly with CEOs, right? CEOs and entrepreneurs. So those are individuals. And um, do you have anything coming up that you want people to connect with? Or do you really want people to just go to your YouTube channel, which I think is absolutely fantastic. Oh, thank you, Cedril. So yeah, definitely the YouTube channel Master Talk in One Word is a great place where people can start. And if you're interested in coaching, and you don't need to be a CEO, CEOs are, are a good portion of it, but you could also be a manager at a company who wants to level up their career. What I would encourage you all to do is just attend one of my free live and interactive trainings. So to access that, all you got to do is go to www.rockstarcommunicator.com slash workshop. Rockstarcommunicator.com backslash workshop. You got it. Awesome. That also, I will put that in the show notes. Is that okay? Please do. That'd be great. Yes. I would love for people to be able to connect with you and to work with you to increase the level of communication that happens everywhere. <laughs> Thank you, Sidra everywhere. So is there anything that you would like to bring forth in this conversation that we haven't touched upon yet or that you really felt that you wanted to to talk about? Yeah, absolutely. I, I think in terms of book recommendations I can give and then I can give some closing remarks Very cool. is, is a book called Thirst by Scott Harrison. I, I think Scott is an incredible mind when it comes to storytelling and communication. And what he really understands is how to use the stories of other people in his community to grow his own personal brand and the brand of his charities, raised hundreds of millions of dollars for his nonprofit. And I think we can learn a lot from the way he brands himself, which is also a good link to my closing remark. I think if you want to be successful in conversations, in the boardroom, really any area of communication, always remember that the language of your audience is more important than the language you want to use in your messaging. So remember that the language of your audience matters more than your own. So when I'm speaking to my mother, it's not about what Brendan wants, who Brendan wants to marry, what Brendan wants to do with his life. It's about what does mom want? She wants security. She wants to know that her son is going to be really successful in life because she toiled really hard to be here and to get myself an education. She wants me to you know, have grandkids. She wants me to have that. So how do I use her languaging so to speak with her, not against her? Same thing with the companies we talked about earlier. 
right? Absolutely. Right. When you're talking to the Deloitte's of the world, the companies of the world, they're great. But like, let's say you're talking to a company who doesn't implement, isn't implementing those initiatives, speak their language. Perfect. You don't want to implement those initiatives? No problem. The top 100 diverse candidates from Harvard are never going to work for you and you're going to lose a crap ton of money and they're going to outcompete you. Your choice, right? So it's a different <laughs> different language. Different. Yeah. They go, well, I don't want to lose all that money. There you go. Right. That's so funny because I, I say that as well, but I, I say it in a slightly different. Actually, no, I say it in the same way. I'm like, the, the things that you're writing and that you're putting out there, who are they meant for? Because if I'm reading it and I'm thinking this is not, this doesn't speak to me in any way, shape or form because it just seems too highbrow, too hoity-toity or too whatever, then I'm walking away. So who are you speaking to? You need to understand your audience in order to deliver the proper message to that audience. Thank you so much for that. That's awesome. Absolutely. And for bringing that up for sure. Right. Um, I'm definitely going to use somehow that quote that you just put in there somewhere. Right. <laughs> and, and even as a fun closing remark, like think about this conversation. Most of the time when I'm on a podcast, I usually go, okay, these are the seven things you need to do. This is how you get. But at the beginning, you said you're very like more chilled out. You're like, hey, let's make this casual conversation. I want to go in this. So no, it's so a calm down. Let's, let's do it that way. <laughs> So that's the key, right? So I didn't go, well, Cedrul, this is how I want to speak. Well, no. What, exactly. what does the host want and what does their audience want? Right, right. And what they want is a conversation. They right. they want to hear good things and you did give them very good pointers, but they all want to hear in a conversation style, in a way that they can process and go, wow, that was a cool conversation rather than, it's it's not a workshop. <laughs> right. This is a conversation. <laughs> so, Brendan, before we go, I have to ask you my signature question, which everyone is waiting for, and I'm waiting for, and that is, what is your favorite dish? And this is the hardest question I've ever been asked in an interview. I've still been thinking about it for the past, how long have we been going? That's 15 minutes since you've asked it. I would say... It's tough, but if I had to pick one dish, it's probably my mom's rolls. So rolls are these, they're essentially like a pastry and you got a bunch of pork, potatoes, pork curry specifically, and it's wrapped into like a, a dough and yeah. then it's fried and there's like a bunch of breadcrumbs on it. It's like it heavenly. Sounds, it sounds so good. Really good. It's a bit too oily, but delicious. <laughs> I can't live without it. Now, is this this a Sri Lanka uh, dish? You got it. You got it. You could buy it, actually. It's not that expensive. It's like a dollar each, depending mm -hmm. on where you live. So you could easily get some. Just type in Sri Lankan rolls. I'm going to have to do that because it sounds so good. Yeah, it's spicy, though. No, I mean, I don't think that'll oh, be a problem like for spicy. you. Yeah, I don't think that'll be a problem for you, but just more <laughs> for your audience. <laughs> just in case. Just, just so they know, right? It's, yeah. uh... Well, I understand the language them. of your audience, right? <laughs> so, right. Like, we don't want them going out there and going, oh my God. I hate this Brendan guy. Why is he recommending roles? I definitely don't want to do that. Oh, thank you so much, Brendan. It's been such a pleasure talking to you. And I look forward to actually con connecting with you again. Like I said, I feel like we've become friends and it makes me happy. So thank you for being here. 
Likewise, this is one of the funnest interviews I've ever done. So thanks for having me. Hey, did you enjoy that episode? If so, please leave a review. It would mean the world, but only if it's a good one and you really did enjoy it. In which case, it would be awesome if you help support my work over at patreon.com backslash Cedrola Maruska. And finally, before you go, don't forget diversitydish.com. I'd love to work with you. See you soon.